Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. In the month of February, guys, we are going to celebrate African American History Month. And and in African American History Month, we're going to draw out some great history, but we're going to couple that history and infuse it with history from the Bible. When you think about history from the Bible, you have to go to the book of Joshua that's filled with miracles. And this month, the topic of our discussion is going to be just that, magnificent miracles. Today, miracles from beneath. And so as we couple African-American history, we think about the book of Joshua. I'm going to let you into something right now. I got a new hobby that I'm hoping will be a habit, and it is drinking water from this gigantic jug. Now, all the water in this jug, if I drink it all, which sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, it equals up to about a gallon of water a day. That's a whole lot of water, (laughs) y'all. Friends, I drink this water because it has great benefits. When you drink a gallon of water, you'll have more energy. It clears up your skin. It may even help you shed a few pounds. It helps with digestion. And it even improves your brain function, and it helps our body to perform better. You see, there are great, great, great miracles that drinking a gallon of water can promote inside the body, but also to the body. It's a miracle, you know, that up to 60% of our bodies happens to be made up of water. But yet we walk around, we do life, we talk, we do all types of things. And guess what? When we move, it doesn't sound like an ocean is inside of our bellies, does it? That's a miracle. Miracles happen as we drink water. But as we will notice today, miracles happen inside the water on the ocean room's floor. Now, I know miracles have a bad rap. I know some of you may be listening and saying, oh, God, I don't want to hear about miracles. Please don't exit the browser just yet. Hear me out. Because miracles, they challenge us. The reason they challenge us is because they do not come from us. I'm going to say it again. Miracles challenge us because they do not come from us. You see, truthfully, Many believers and non-believers alike discredit the validity of miracles. They say that's impossible. It's impossible for someone to be healed that quickly when they were told that they only had two days to live. It's impossible for a mother to lift up a car that was crushing her children, right? No, it's not impossible. It's a miracle. The real reason that many of us have a problem, we struggle with accepting the validity of miracles is because the only answer that we can prescribe to miracles is that God did it and we did not. Miracles don't happen on our timetable, friends. They're usually not even able to be measured or calculated by us. And as believers in God and belief in science, we do well, however, to couple all of that And understand today that miracles do occur. It was around 
1375 B.C. that Joshua came in contact with the miracle worker in a very new and exciting way. Joshua, if you survey his life, yes, he fought the Battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. That's real nice. But Joshua lived a whole life filled with miracles. We're going to see today that Joshua lived a life that was filled and coming in contact with miracles. But I want us to understand that we, too, can experience the miracles of God. Magnificent miracles await us even now. And oh, my God, if we look at our world today, don't we need it? The reason we're talking about miracles is because it all applies to us. See, miracles showcase the power of God. We need God's power. Miracles are actually the exclamation points of our lives. They help us and they show us the great love of God. And so we look at Joshua this month. And we begin by understanding this truth about Joshua. Joshua was that dude, y'all. He was a great military leader. And due to the death of great Moses, another great leader, he has to step on the scene as the new new, uh, leader of Israel. Now, as any new leader, he has questions, but God has all the answers. Joshua is installed as this new leader and he has some apprehension. He's shaking in his boots, y'all. He doesn't know if the people will love him the same way that they loved Moses. And yet God tells him, hey, bro, slow down. Take a deep breath. Chill out. Because in Joshua chapter one, verse nine, the Lord says these words. Don't be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For I will be with you wherever you may be go. Comforting words, because God wants Joshua to know he is not alone. God's going to lead Joshua. God's going to provide for Joshua. And so Joshua takes these comforting words and he goes and says, Israel, get ready, get ready, because God's going to grant us some magnificent miracles and some magnificent provision. Joshua believes in the miracle of the promise that God had told him in Joshua chapter one, verse nine. And in fact, he literally also believed in the promise that God would, in fact, give great land to Israel. And so what does Joshua do? He says, "Okay, I believe in this promise so much. I'm going to send two spies to actually go into this great land and scope it out. (laughs) And these spies, they are walking around as if they're Matlock or someone. (laughs) They're trying to figure out as much information as they can without being noticed. They're spying, probably saying, hmm, we can plant some good trees right there. Hmm, that soil right there birthed this great amount of fruit. Hmm, we could build some different things right here. But they're also paying attention to the people that live in the land of Jericho at this time as well. And in an effort to remain hidden, they hide out in a lady's house by the name of Rahab. (laughs) Rahab is like many of us. She's like, hey, okay, you want to hide here? I'm going to put my life in danger. Why would I do that? What's in it for me? (laughs) They reveal to her, well, hey, if you allow us to hide out in your house while we're scoping out this land, they say we will spare your life when Israel comes and takes this land. Everybody that's here. All that's in your house, your belongings, all of it, we will spare you. We won't kill you. 
So Rahab says, hey, that's more bang for my buck. You're going to spend my life. You can hide out in the living room. <laughs> and so she does this and they hide there. But do you hear the miracle in the interaction between the spies and Rahab? It's a magnificent miracle from God all in the works. It's a magnificent miracle that these spies were not killed. It's a magnificent miracle that Rahab even welcomed these brothers into her home for no fee with only the agreement that a future truth would come to pass that her life and all of her family's lives would be spared. You know what this shows us? Don't miss this. This is huge. It's gigantic. It's immense. Miracles happen to everyday people who live on purpose for God every day. I'll say it again. Miracles happen to everyday people who live on purpose for God every day. We have this negative connotation and, and belief that, oh, man, I got to walk around with my pressure on. I got to walk around quoting, quoting 66 books of the Bible just for God to possibly bestow a miracle on our behalf. Friends, you don't have to be superior. You just have to be faithful. If you would just be faithful, God will birth magnificent miracles in your life and all of our lives as well. Friends, we find ourselves right here in chapter three of Joshua. And we notice that the people of Israel, they're heading out and traveling to the Jordan River. They stay at the Jordan River for approximately three days. And on the third day, officers go through the camp saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant that the associate minister of that day called the Levitical priest may be carrying, leave your positions and follow it. These instructions are big, y'all, because the Ark of the Covenant was this gigantic wooden chest overlaid with gold that contained the tablets of the law. And on these tablets, many of us know today, these tablets had the inscriptions of the Ten Commandments. The Ark of the Covenant, it was sacred to the people of Israel. It was so sacred because these people believed that this was God's throne and God's presence on earth. And so Joshua prepared the people. He went in the camp saying, hey, consecrate yourself, pray, get ready, get ready, get ready, because God's going to blow our minds tomorrow. But let's chat for a moment. We all want the blessings of God. But when is the last time that you prayed and expected actually that God would move on your behalf? When's the last time that you asked God for something and trusted that God would allow it to come to pass? Joshua was telling the people in Israel, get ready, get ready for what God is going to do, because God is not a man that God would lie. God is going to do exactly what he said he will do. And he tells them, expect the magnificent miracle that is about to happen. And so listen to the miracle because it's in Joshua chapter three, verses 14 through 17, that the detailed miracle occurs. The text says that. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing it piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon. 
while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that's the Dead Sea, everybody, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood, watch that, on dry ground. <laughs> while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Friends, I want you to notice something. Miracles attest to the faithfulness of God. You see, the people of Israel, they were able to feel, to see, to experience God's miracles. But what's so interesting about this is that's why you have to know your history, because they really were not new to this they really should have been true to this because if we rewind and look back in Exodus chapter 14, it details for us that God had miraculously parted yet another big body of water called the Red Sea. And he had parted this for the people of Israel and allowed them to walk on dry ground. But check this. They had some enemies running after them. They had some haters trying to destroy them. And what did they do? The haters got in the middle of the Red Sea and God allowed the water to envelop them and to kill them. But now another magnificent miracle happens to the people of Israel and God allows the people of Israel to cross over on dry land to stop the water from flowing upstream. These two magnificent miracles from beneath, they show us the faithfulness of God. Friends, God gave a miracle from above, but it was experienced from beneath. And this is so beautiful in the text because it reveals to us the truth that God is faithful. It reveals to us the truth that God fulfills all of God's promises. God is faithful in the way he provides his love to us. He's faithful in the way that God gives us what we need before we even regurgitate a need to him. This miracle is actually the fulfillment of Joshua chapter one, verse nine, because he tells Joshua, hey, chill out, be strong and courageous because I'm going to be with you wherever you may go. Well, now the people are inside of the Jordan, right? And God is still there. Miracles prove to us, friends, we're not alone and that God is in huge love with all of us. Friends, I love it because we serve a faithful God. And because we serve a faithful God, then that's why we should in turn be faithful to God. But we keep traveling, y'all, because the miracle was experienced in chapter three. But in chapter four, after all of Israel has crossed over on dry ground to the other side of the Jordan, hear these words. The Lord tells Joshua, he drops a text message in Joshua's inbox and Joshua reads it aloud saying, the Lord says this, y'all, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. God says, okay. I've given you a miracle. That's good. Y'all done shouted. You're excited. But now I need you to catch these instructions. Friends, understand this today, that God never grants miracles without a purpose. God wants Joshua and the people to remember and to recall the magnificent miracle from beneath that has occurred. This is why he says, I need you to go back to the river. Hold on. Don't leave it yet. Go back to the middle of the river. Get you 12 stones and take them with you. 
See, you have to understand this, that yes, miracles attest to the faithfulness of God. But every time you experience a miracle, it will lead you directly right back to God. See, Joshua and the people, they say, "Okay, God, we've heard the text message. We're going to follow the instructions that you have said. We're going to go pick up these 12 stones. But these 12 stones are to actually serve as a sign and a story of faith that you'll tell your children and your children's children. You see, the miracle of Israel crossing the Jordan and the priest who carried the ark standing in the middle of the Jordan is something that is amazing that should be duly noted, but should also be incredibly remembered. I don't know about you, but this week I began to start asking questions of this text. I said, how can people stand on dry ground when the ocean room was when the ocean was over it? Like who wiped the floor off? (laughs) How can people stand on dry ground at the bottom of a river? I even asked, I said, "Okay, God, well, how can suddenly a river that's known for overflowing all of a sudden just stop flowing? God, how did that happen? (laughs) Friends, I hate to tell you, it's real simple. It's due to the miraculous power of God. (laughs) Friends, what's so awesome about this is that what we have to catch this is we have to catch this today that God is supernatural. And what how God moves, how God thinks it's above us. We don't always understand it. That's why we become frustrated with God, because his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. But God knows what we need. And when God knows what we need, he gives us miracles. And in fact, if you say, hey, I've never experienced a miracle, that would be a big, bold faced lie. Because if you look in the mirror, you'll see that you are a miracle. And so we keep going. Because you remember Joshua was so worried. Joshua was like, man, I don't know if these people will really rock with me or love me the same way that they love Moses. Well, check out what happens in Joshua chapter four, verse 14. It says that after they experienced this magnificent miracle from beneath that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel. And they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. At first glance, you may look at that text and say, well, they were just puffed up, excited for just Joshua and Moses. No, it was a magnificent work in leadership, how Moses led and how Joshua led. And because they were used by God to do something extraordinary in the lives of the people of Israel, you can get it right here in the text. They're they're giving glory to God, not Joshua. Hmm. And let me tell you something. I find it so amazing how God told them after the miracle. He said, "Okay, hey, don't leave the Jordan. Go back and get you 12 stones of remembrance. The reason he told them to go get 12 stones of remembrance was he was saying, hey, in Exodus 14, I did this and you didn't remember. (laughs) I parted the Red Sea for your people and you you didn't you didn't remember it. So now I'm going to give you another miracle. But this time I need you to have a tangible object of God's faithfulness. I need you to have a tangible object that the next time you come in contact with anything you will remember that you are not alone. Friends, don't miss that lesson because that right there will preach all by 
itself, the lesson here is that we need some stones of remembrance. We need to chronicle the times where God has answered our prayers and healed our loved ones. We need to hold on, whether it be a water bottle, a stone, or even just an entry in your journal. We need something to hold on to to remember that we are not alone. Friends, it could be a love letter that you've written to God. It could be a journal entry. It could be a memento. It could even be a piece of a dead plant. But you have got to right now find you a stone of remembrance. With all that's going on in our lives, we need the constant reminder that God is a miracle worker, but also that we are not alone. And so I challenge you this week. I challenge you this week to find you a stone of remembrance. A stone that not only will give you hope, but that you can communicate to a future person about God's faithfulness and direct them back to God. But as I think about Joshua and Moses, it leads me to think about how the miracle worker also worked in Wangari Maathai's life. Hmm. Wangari was born in Kenya. She loved learning and matriculated all the way through school. In fact, there was a miracle birth through Wangari as she was the first lady in all of East and Central Asia, Africa, excuse me, to actually earn a doctoral degree. Wangari, she continued being used by God and being God's vessel, and she noticed a need to replenish the environment. This led her to actually start planting trees. Wangari planted so many trees that she created a movement called the Green Belt Movement. This organization and movement has planted over 51 million trees. Can you believe that? That's a miracle. And in 2004, if that didn't do it for you, Wangari Maathai from Nairi, Kenya, won the Nobel Peace Prize for her environmental work in all of Kenya. Wangari once said these words, she says that we cannot tire or give up. We owe it to the present and future generations of all species to rise up and to walk. What Wangari shows us is that God is able to bless us and to use us to be a miracle in other people's lives. What Joshua and Moses shows us is that God is able to bless us, but to use us to literally be a miracle to other people and to bless their lives. Here's the truth. God is asking for our trust, but will we give it? God is asking for our confidence in God, but will we exhibit it? Wangari Maathai trusted that God was leading her to actually do something about the problem of replenishing her environment. And God was able to use her to be a miracle, not only to the environment, but all of Kenya. Joshua was the, they had just had a leader transition, a great leader transition in Moses. And God used not only Moses, but he also used Joshua to be a miracle to help direct the people back to God. Will you allow God to use you to be a miracle to someone else that God can continue to be a miracle to you? My prayer is that you would because our world is in need of the miracle worker, but also we are in need to work 
and fulfill the miracles that God wants to do in society and beyond. And so, friends, when I think about Wangari, I think about Joshua, I think about Moses, it leads me to think about Jesus. Because Jesus came to be a sacrificial miracle for all of us. He hung on a cross after healing and feeding so many people just to be a miracle for all of us. In fact, friends, if Jesus had not been sacrificial, then we would never know the miracle worker. And so, friends, I want to extend an invitation to anyone who may be watching this. If you do not know Jesus, I'm holding out my hand right now. And virtually, I hope you'll take it. And if you hold my hand even now virtually and you want to accept Jesus into your heart, all you have to do from right where you are is pray a simple prayer with me. Let's pray. God, I need you. I believe you sent Jesus for me. I confess that Jesus is the Lord of my life. In Christ's name, amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer or if you are fighting any battle, just as God told Joshua he was not alone, you are not alone. We want to know about whether you just prayed a prayer of salvation or you have a request. Flood our inbox at altogether, A-L-L, together at spdl.org. Friends, if you love to give into this ministry in any way, you can go to spdl.org and the giving option is there. And under the drop down menu, you'll notice all together you select it and you give as God leads. Friends, we experience magnificent miracles all the time and we serve an amazing miracle worker. And so as we reflect on Joshua chapters three and four, take this takeaway with you. Miracles come in countless forms, but attest to the faithfulness of God. Miracles come in countless forms, friends, but attest to the faithfulness of God. And so friends, I hope you have a great week. I hope that you can find community virtually or physically. And I pray that you will embrace diversity in all forms and drink your water. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.